This is a Triple J podcast. Hello, we're getting into it. It's the end of the week. This is The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. It's an interesting one in this episode, this podcast. We've got a bit of everything. Big news, small news, all the funny stuff in between. Here's a bit of a taste of what's coming up. Hack. They betrayed the trust of the nation and its citizens with an unlawful scheme. I thought it was totally fair play. That's how the rule is. I know some people might might disagree. A big shake-up in the social media world. Some are even calling it the Twitter killer. On Triple J. Yeah, that massive story with the RoboDebt Royal Commission report now out. We know a lot of you have been waiting for these recommendations that have been made. In a sec, we're going to check in with Shalala Madora, who's been poring over these documents. This story's huge. We're talking the cricket saga. I want to hear your story of when someone you know has refused to admit they're wrong. Or maybe it was you. What is the hill that you died on? Message in 0439757555. But first, hey, time to introduce the Shake Up crew. We've got two brilliant minds with us right now. First, Marley Silva from the When We Grow Up podcast. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm bloody great. What an introduction. (laughs) Oh, you you need a good introduction on your last day here. You're about to start a new job, right? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I can't really talk about it yet, but I'm saying goodbye to the walls of the ABC for... I don't want to say bigger and better things. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I've had a great time at ABC Sport for the last 18 months. But, um, yeah, time for a, for a new chapter. Okay, nice. Yeah. A little bit of mystery there. We love that as well. Stay tuned for more on Marley. Our second guest, I don't know what to describe him as. I might say the King of Perth. Is that a good one? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, please no. I call everyone from Perth, like, you know, the monarch of Perth. I don't know. From the Kick It Forward podcast, Josh Garloff, how are you feeling? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, I don't know if I'm royalty. Definitely not, actually. I think anyone you put that moniker to, they end up being a bit of a prick, kind of. So, um, <laughs> being cousins or Baz Zemplis somehow, sometimes. So, anyway, uh, no, very happy to be here. <laughs> What's on for the weekend? What are you up to? Uh, I've got a 25th. I've got a friend's uh, boozy brunch tomorrow. Okay. And then um, just, a bit, just a bit, no, it should be all right. And then it's a bit of editing. We, um, we make uh, comedy content, so we just got to edit a bunch of stuff. You'll know Josh very well from your scrolls on TikTok, Instagram. The Kick It Forward boys are so funny. They've got more content coming for you. Hey, we've got so much to get into today. It's actually huge news-wise. But I'm going to start with some big news that's just dropped in the past few hours. Hack. It was wrong. It was illegal. It should never have happened. And it should never happen again. On Triple J. Yeah, the RoboDebt Royal Commission, for years we've covered this story from when the reports of false debt started popping up to the calls for a Royal Commission and now the report from that massive investigation. It is scathing. The Commission are making 57 recommendations, calling out people for incompetence, cowardice. Let's get a bit of a rundown. Shalala Madora has been poring over these documents over the past few hours. Shalala, big day. What are the biggest findings in this report? Dave, I think the biggest finding is just how damning it is. Mm. Like, Commissioner Holmes did not hold back. She really went for it with this. She called RoboDebt an ill-conceived embryonic idea with very little interest from senior figures on how the scheme would actually impact particularly vulnerable people. The public service was just completely raked over the coals with this. In fact, the majority of the 57 recommendations were about how to improve the culture and how to 
improve accountability within the public service. It was massive. It basically was saying that the public service really needs to stand up to the government and not be coward when it comes to how it deals with um, members of the government. But, you know, members of the government at the time, the coalition in particular, they weren't off the hook either. Commissioner Holmes was really strong about some of their behaviour, saying in some instances they breached ministerial responsibilities, saying they engaged in abuses of power, saying they deliberately misled the public and deliberately misled their own colleagues in cabinet. So it was actually, it was really, really strong. I can't like emphasise it enough that it was a thousand pages and most of them were scorching hot. Yeah. I mean, some of the descriptions in there, like you say, they really hit hard. So is anyone going to be punished for this? I guess that's what everyone's asking. Yeah. It's the thing that everyone wants to know. And unfortunately we might never actually know who, because there is a sealed chapter in Mm. this that isn't available to the public. So in it, we know there are around, well, reports are saying there are about 20 people who have been referred to different bodies. There's four bodies they could potentially be referred to. One is the COPS, the AFP, that's for criminal or civil um, prosecutions, which is actually a really huge thing that the commissioner might have said someone broke the law here. Um, There's also the new um, Anti-Corruption Commission, the integrity body that has just started up on July the 1st. We know that there are referrals to that. There's also referrals to the public service commissioner, so people who've breached public service rules, and also um, referrals to the law society. So from that, we can kind of gather a bit of a sense of, of, of the breadth of this. We know that there are former ministers who have been referred, and we know that there are senior public servants who have been referred. So the reason that this chapter is sealed is because Commissioner Holmes doesn't want to jeopardise any future court cases when it comes to this by making um, these people's names public. So, you know, we might have to wait a while. We might have to wait and see if the new Integrity Commission takes this up as one of its first cases. Um, But, you know, hopefully justice is working in the background here. Well, hey, look, this report, like you said, almost a thousand pages, three volumes. It's a lot to get across. Shalala, we're going to be breaking this down in detail on Monday. You need a bit of time to get across everything that's in here. Looking forward to hearing from you then. Thanks for breaking that down. Thanks, Dave. And we are on the shake-up with me, Marley Silva from the When We Grow Up podcast, Josh Garlop from Kick It Forward. Josh, I don't know, what about you? Were you impacted by RoboDebt? Actually was. I remember getting this email one time and it was for $7,000 I owed and I kind of did the rough math and it kind of didn't add up. I think I started a job midway through the year, but it accounted for the full year or something. Uh, I kept putting it off. It kept gaining interest. It added a lot of stress, but eventually I got to the point where, you know, I probably could have paid it. But I just think like, what if you, what if you, you had no money? What if it's just building and building and you know, it's $20,000 and you're struggling to pay rent, let alone, uh, put together, you know, the interest on those things. So the amount of stress it's caused, it is pretty... It's good that something's come out of it. Yeah, Marley, a lot of Australians waited a long time for this. It's like very heavy reading, as Shalala was saying, but also pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. When I was looking, you know, top line at what is this such a dense report, as we've been describing, some of those emotive terms that have have really stood out to me, like talking about the incompetence and cowardice of these people who are supposed to be making the decisions at the betterment of of the people they're serving. Um, It's really, really... uh, 
amazing to to kind of see it out there in the open and um, like this for the first time. I imagine it is probably quite triggering for the people who have been impacted by that stress. And I hope, as was described, often when we hear about royal commissions, um, we do have this initial reaction that is very, you know, a lot of shock and um, a lot of attention in the moment when those recommendations are head handed down. So I just hope off the back of this, those recommendations are taken quite seriously. And those people, as Shalala said, um, get the justice they deserve. Well, hey, we'll be hearing from a lot of those people in the days ahead. Like I said, we're going to have a big breakdown of this on Hack on Monday. We've got Government Services Minister Bill Shorten on to answer your questions. In the meantime, though, you can head to Hack's Instagram. There's an easy explainer there and ABC News has the long read if you'd prefer that. Hack! Bit surprised how big it's been, but that's an ashes. Everyone likes to show their patriotism. On Triple Jack. Yeah, it's been a while since an international sports scandal has outraged Australians as much as this Ashes controversy with England for days. We've had the backlash from this scandal. The Aussie team painted as the villains by England in the Johnny Bairstow stumping incident. The Australians outraged that they've been accused of cheating for following the rules. What a lot of people are saying. Prime Ministers weighing in. Celebrities. Makes me wonder, though, are we just obsessed with fighting with the Poms? Hack. Some quick thinking and a lapse in concentration, making a moment that's driven the sporting world into a frenzy. Johnny Bairstow's walked out of his crease here. This could well be out. The incident at Lords, sparking fierce debate about the spirit of the game. Quite aggressive and abusive towards some of our players. It's pretty disrespectful, to be honest. I just expect a lot better from the members. The Australian Ashes victory is not in the spirit of cricket, says Sunak. The nuns at St Joseph's Camp down you. Put your bat behind the crease. <laughs> yes, stay in your crease. On Triple J. Yeah, keen to hear your thoughts on this one. Were you living for this drama? Maybe you're not even into cricket at all, but you were right across it this week. Also, what is the one time you've refused to admit you were wrong? That hill you've died on? Or do you know someone who is so stubborn? Call in with your thoughts on the cricket or on that. one 300 You can message in as well. Uh, 0439757555. Got some people messaging in. Someone says, my bestie from high school. If she's right, she's right. Regardless of if she's wrong, everyone eventually caves to her rightness. It's easier than the fight. Some people, really hard. Let's get the rundown from the Shake Up crew. Podcasters, Marley Silva, Josh Garlop. Marley, what did you make of all this? Well, I've got to say... I know I'm someone who works in sports media. It is my job, Mm. but I'm not afraid to admit that cricket is not a sport I've often cared about. Okay. However, when the drama (laughs) is here, when you are getting prime ministers involved with this back and forth and there's big headlines and people are really spitting the dummy, I am all about it. It is like a real-time reality TV show. I do have to say, cricket is quite good at making these sorts of moments seem very, very serious. Now, I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers <laughs> in bringing this up here, but, you know, oh, we are on the shake-up. <laughs> I remember when Sandpaper Gate broke. Yeah. The, you know, the cheating, yep, the use yep, yep. of the sandpaper on the ball, whatever. Again, not as a number one cricket fan, as a somewhat outside observer, mm. the way that people absolutely berated the players who were involved, treated it like it was a crime against humanity, like the most serious thing. Cheating's not good, but Mm. it was very, very intense and very, very serious. It set the bar for cricket, the way we respond to cricket scandals as like they are these 
you know, very high, very, very, very important people, if they take one moral misstep or is there some sort of controversy, it is the end of the world. Oh, that's so interesting. Josh, what's your take? Do you kind of agree with this? Oh, I was there when Cameron Bancroft arrived. He was the guy that actually did the sandpaper. I was um, part of the group that were covering it that day. I remember him arriving and it was an absolute media circus. And when you think about it, it was just something quite small to a lot of people. A lot of people thought, what the hell is this? Like, who cares? But then in the cricket world, I think in Australia, you're so used to everything not being corrupt. Just you have an instinct... uh, default setting, everything isn't corrupt in government, in sport, everyone accepts that they go there and it's generally going to be even. So so for it to not be that, I think people reacted really strongly. With this one, I actually think it's hilarious. It's so funny. Everyone's reacting so strongly. It actually, if you're the broadcaster, if you're Cricket Australia, outside of the complete uh, entitled weirdos from the MCC club at the last test that were touching players and stuff like that, get out, the absolute losers. Besides them... They'd be licking their lips like, oh, my God, all these people that actually would never care about cricket are now tuning in watching every ball of a, a late-night test series. Like, this is the best thing you could ever hope for. And the interest around it, think about the last uh, international series against Ashes, like, two years ago. I don't remember th- talking about it this much. There were some amazing tests in that series. But this time, again, this time <laughs> we're all watching, yeah. finding out. And it's like Alex Carey, even though he... You know, it's kind of subjective. What other what other sport is there in the world where it is so subjective and open to interpretation on these laws that have been around for, like, ages? Yeah, it should be pretty black and white, right? I don't know why there's so much room for debate on this one. Hey, I was going to ask, like, if anyone had any friends who were, you know, English poms that were having a rough time, but we've actually got one on the line now, Jacob from Canberra. Jacob, you're a pom. How are you dealing in this crisis that's, you know, th- overthrown the country? Yeah, g'day. So I, yeah, look, um, I've been in Australia for about 10 years and it tends to be around about this time when the ashes are on. Everyone likes to sort of be like, oh, well, you know, the English, you know, we're going to beat you again. Um, This year, obviously with everything going on, it was a massive one. And, you know, this week I've just had people come up to me going, oh, mate, you you palms are sore losers. And I just go, I don't care. (laughs) I'm not one for cricket. I'm sorry. Jacob's like, you're like, leave me out of it. I've got nothing to do with this. You're a loser, mate. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Actually, the only reason we got you on, Jacob, was so I could troll you as well. Jacob, you are English and you've ruined everything. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to leave you there. No, sorry, Jacob. I'm sorry that you're having a rough time this week and people are trying to get a bit of a raise out of you. I don't know, Marley, we've had Prime Ministers weighing in, big name celebrities, personalities. What about that? Like, it's an easy political win as well, isn't it? Like, you can't go wrong by just jumping on, like, your team's Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a a great PR move for everyone who kind of plays a part of it. It's even like, you know, Albo a couple of weeks ago was talking about if the Matildas win the Women's World Cup, we'll be getting a public holiday. Those things are great little wins and they make us feel patriotic. I'm not the kind of person who gets super patriotic ever, except when it comes to sport. Yeah. And so in this time, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for my Prime Minister in this fight as well. I was going to say, like, in terms of sport generally, like, not just the cricket, but everything Mali, like, having these kind of flare-ups and debates and um, inter-nation fights does it really enhance the experience, do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. And I would say, like, for me, I, I don't want to get too big picture here, but the reason that I love sport and that I'm passionate about and I've built a career out of it is because I see it as the mechanism through which we can have these bigger 
conversations and as Australians it's the one element that seems to unite our identity is this passion for being a sporting nation so moments like this do bring us together okay interesting we've got more messages on the text line someone says England just proving their world-class whingers <laughs> someone else says this test series has been epic and the hypocrisy of the English on this dismissal has been nauseating hey Josh you've actually done some digging into the history of like this sporting rivalry with England and this is not new right no, no, this goes on for years and years and years, and you don't have to look back too far for the latest example. I think it was the last Ashes series. There was another example, just off the top of my head, I don't know, it was involving Ben Stokes. But even even this same series, there was people going at Johnny Bairstow for having his own attempts at the wicket, a very similar... I won't go into that, but the best thing about this rivalry is it invites everyone in. So it's so simple. Even if you don't really follow cricket, don't know what silly mid-on is, you know, okay, England bad for these couple weeks, even though we don't hate them. (laughs) England are bad. But it goes back like 150 years. We did a thing on our pod uh, last year. We looked into the first ever Australian sporting ride. And the first one ever was New South Wales and England. It was in 1879. There were 2,000 pitch invaders. There was an op-ed released by Lord... Uh, what's his name? 2,000? Lord Harris. Uh, Edward Barton was there. He was cricket, the cricket umpire at the time who would go on to be the first Prime Minister. Wow. It had it all. Banjo Patterson was apparently in attendance. 2,000 <laughs> went on there. They all wanted their money back. This is like the Met Gala yeah. of 18 whatever. And the, the captain got punched in the face or something because they wanted to end to save their money and then he released an article I believe when he went back to the UK and it was basically saying the convicts are all swines and stuff like that so (sighs) that's basically like an angry post you know, back then, but it was a lot slower. Um, so it's been going. To, it's not going to go anywhere. But if anything, it just enhances the whole game, and that's the reason why so many people are up late at night swearing at their TV while, like, you know, maybe their partner or their siblings are sleeping. Oh, so funny! You've got messages coming through, pouring in for support for Jacob. All the poms have hit the text line. <laughs> Someone says, "Hi, hack. I'm a pom too, and I back Jacob." Ha ha. Someone else is talking about people who just refuse to admit they're wrong. Someone, Tory, says, "My house." mate vehemently defends that rice should be washed after cooking it despite being shown the packet directions he will not admit he's wrong it is so annoying we've all got those people in our lives but hey there's more news to discuss to delete your threads account you need to delete instagram you guys what did we just do on triple jack oh real crisis there what did we just do what is going on with threads The new Twitter rival from Mark Zuckerberg that's getting bigger and bigger. People who don't even like Twitter are now jumping on this new platform. But some are worried about what it's going to mean for their Instagram experience and whether Meta really needs another huge network. Hack. Mark Zuckerberg's Meta is officially out with its answer to Elon Musk's Twitter. We are launching Threads, an open and friendly public space for conversations. It's being seen as an attempt to lure away Twitter users who are unhappy with the current state of the app. Millions of people have already signed up to the new site. Elon Musk is already shitting himself over Meta's new app and he is prepared to sue them into oblivion. Do you ever have the feeling that there are so many different social media platforms that it's becoming nearly impossible to be able to use all of them? On Triple Jack. Yeah, tell me, are you giving threads a go? What are your thoughts? Because it all seems a bit rogue at the moment. Everyone's jumping on, still getting used to it, not sure how it works. Definitely fired up the war between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Elon's accusing Mark of cheating, threatening legal action. Who are you backing in this fight? Message in 0439757555. Everyone's fighting. Elon and Mark, England and Australia. Let's check in with the Shakeup crew. We've got podcasters, sports reporters, Marley Silva and Josh Garlop. Hey, Josh, are you on threads? Yeah, I... I 
<laughs> yeah, I jumped on it just in case. Just uh, in case what? Yeah, just what in does case that it mean? Something. Just in case it became something. I think I was freaking looking at out. It. You might miss out, Josh. <laughs> like, oh, just in case. Oh, uh, you never know. Like, Mike. The annoying thing about Twitter is you're kind of supporting this like pompous, like such an annoying person in Elon Musk, and but then on the other corner is uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who's like an equally selfish, entitled like billionaire who has no interest for anyone but himself. The one benefit I have is there are that many journalists and maybe even trolls across the country who have just had their fingers crossed that this becomes nothing <laughs> because their entire self-worth is built on their followers on Twitter. <laughs> Marley, fierce, are you one of those people? Um. No. I saw this and I was like, oh, no, I'm trying to cut down on my screen time. I don't need another social media app. I don't have Twitter. I'm an anti-Twitter person. Right. I I just, it's too toxic for me. Are you one to be sucked into new, like, Be Real? Did you get into that? I lasted, like, a month on Be Real. And I'm just like, it feels like too much upkeep. And I'm not into it. The one thing I like about threads that I've just seen, and, again, you don't need threads because everyone's posting their threads on their Instagram (laughs) story. I know. Is... The really nice little vintage throwbacks to like for a TBH. Oh. I've seen a couple of those. I'm like, that's a little nice nostalgic moment. Okay, that's interesting that's back. But I don't want to fully sell my soul to the Zuck either. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't need any more. Please leave me alone. Well, I mean, 30 million users did in one day. That is huge. Just people pouring over this new platform. Josh, do you reckon it's going to blow up into something that will be a Twitter killer or it's just going to be a fizzer? Like, what are you betting on at this point? I'm probably leaning towards a fizzer at this stage. I think ah. the usage in Australia is actually really low in for Twitter compared to other countries. I think Saudi Arabia have a really, really high rate because of um, freedom of speech and stuff like that. But in Australia, okay. it's very much predominantly, you know, athletes, potentially musicians, journalists, and a bunch of trolls. So it, I, I think it ends up being like 11 to 20% or something. So not much of the nation has it. It could get killed off with this, but in my head, I'm like, what's going what's gonna to drag a younger generation which aren't generally on Twitter from TikTok to that? And I don't think they're going to leave TikTok for like the same crap comments on like maths or something like that. Yeah, interesting. Everyone's going to have an opinion they want to share. Marley, what about the thoughts people are having about the worry of the connection with Instagram, right? Like we heard, for example, a Threads account can't be deleted unless you delete the existing Instagram account that it's created with, that it's attached to. Do you think that's going to turn a lot of people off? Yeah, I think that, well, to be honest, like I was, as much as I've just gone, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I was a little bit, I'm backtracking tracking here, a little bit last night after seeing so many different people It's kind of weird because she's updating on threads now, yeah. so that's kind of interesting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but a part of me was like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a new kind of Twitter and maybe, you know, as a media person I should be doing this. Mm. And then it was when I saw someone say, oh, you can't delete it. And then I just was like, nah. So I think that will turn people off. I think it's a nice little gimmick. And like you said, Be Real was had this moment. Yeah. And then it's, it definitely did. Like there was a moment, right? I remember discussing it on the shake up and I was like, this is the big thing. And then it's just disappeared. It's not time mm. to be real now, is it? Yeah. And I think that this whole moment to take, yeah, to zoom out a little bit is so indicative of the failure it was to let Elon Musk take over with Twitter. Mm. It's like almost the final kind of topple over, like kind of all these different things, the changes, there's the restrictions on the 
the tweets now, the subscription for the blue tick. I think that this is a very clever move from Zuckerberg to kind of go, okay, Twitter's very vulnerable here. This is the moment that we can build something that is essentially exactly the same. Yeah, essentially, it is, yeah. It, <laughs> might, it might get a bit confusing, actually. We've got messages coming through. Someone says threads might, ironically, unravel Twitter. <laughs> That's a good comment there from James. Another person says, after trying to do an hour-a-day limit on social media and constantly failing, yeah, Good luck with that. I just swore off all of them and it's the best decision I've ever made. Well, hey, we're so happy for you. Good luck with the journey. You can do it. Pack. If you're trying to pack light for your next big trip, how about not packing any clothing at all? This airline will rent you clothes. On Triple Jack. Yeah, this one is so good. The worst thing about going on a holiday is definitely packing. You leave it right to the last minute. No one does it early. Okay, some people do it early, sure. What do you take? What do you leave? The constant dilemma. Everything I pack, I never use. Well, Japan Airlines has solved all of this. They've just launched this clothes rental service to help passengers. You're going to be able to order nine items of clothes, pre-owned clothes, and they're going to be waiting for you when you arrive at your hotel or your Airbnb. And Japan Airlines are saying this is going to cut down on emissions to stop people taking luggage. And then when you leave, you just leave them. You don't have to wash them. You just leave them. They collect them, wash them, get them ready for the next person. What do you think? Genius or nightmare? Message in 0439 757 Nightmare, probably a strong term to use for this one. <laughs> Let's ask the Shake Up crew. we got Marley Silver and Josh Garlop. Josh, you keen for this one? Oh, I'm six foot seven, so I don't know if like <laughs> I struggle to um, get anything in Japan. So let alone that. The, the one thing happens is I like they take photos of me because I'm tall and I have red hair. Like it happens on oh. Greg, but um, I think it's a good idea because nothing's worse than dealing with luggage. I got my um, bag lost by Qantas earlier this year for about a week, and um, you know you don't have that issue. You're just doing carry on. I think it's kind of cool, but it just seems logistically a bit of a nightmare. Okay, Marley, thoughts on this one? I'm so into it. Oh right, yeah. I hate having too much luggage. I've really tried to make myself. A- someone who's a minimal packer. I struggle with it. But if I could go, oh, there's going to be these outfits there. I only want carry-on. I agree with the not, you know, not having the risk of losing your luggage. And on, you know, the emissions front as well, I find, and particularly because everyone on my Instagram is in Europe at the moment, Mm. and I know so many young girls in particular who've gone out and bought entirely new wardrobes. Of course. So if you're, you're going to go and try out these new clothes while you're there and then you don't have to buy the outfits and then they also just live there and you don't have to, you know, worry about reusing them in your Instagram uploads. Interesting. Okay, I've got some interesting takes because in the office when we did like a bit of a ask around, it was pretty divided but a lot of people saying, no, I'm not doing that. I want my own stuff and that's it. Apparently, like in terms of the emissions, aviation makes up 2.5% of global carbon dioxide emissions. So it's not small at all. <sighs> Are you a light packer, Josh, generally? Uh, yeah, I'm the midnight before, pack it all, ram it in. I don't I don't really, you know, people fold to put in a suitcase. I think that's you ridiculous because it all, no, I just chuck it in. <laughs> it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I know Marley's probably cringing at that. Um, she is. I just, I just, I don't think, I, I don't pack much. I always chuck in like a book and then some runners because I'm never going to do that, but you do it anyway. Yeah, but, um, all this stuff that makes you feel good. You're like, oh, I'm going to have a moment of peace where I'm going to write my autobiography. <laughs> oh, is that just me, guys? Okay. Okay, right. Speaking of bags, though, another interesting story I saw kicking around over the past few days that you might have seen. Dubrovnik in Croatia has banned wheels on suitcases to stop that annoying sound that obviously 
wheel suitcases make on the cobblestones. Bad news for a lot of Aussie tourists, Marley. Have you been to Croatia? Have you done this? I have been to Dubrovnik and I've experienced what's it, what it's like to try and roll your bag on the cobblestone uh, streets and then go up the enormous irregular steps <laughs> yes. up and down it's not um, good. through the, the walled city. I have to say, and it sounds like I'm you know, paid for something far more flash than what I did. The hostel I stayed in, they had one of the people who was working there come and meet me because obviously cabs can't come into the city of Dubrovnik. Yep. Come and meet me at my um, cab. And he carried my little, I have to say very little, yep. suitcase on his head to the hostel for me. So oh. maybe it'll just make more of a market. For That's amazing. Like that. Yeah, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. What do you reckon, Josh? Are you a wheelie guy? I don't think you are. You're a backpack guy. <laughs> a wheelie guy. <laughs> uh, I think I've got some wheels. Uh, I definitely, we went to we went to Japan last year. Oh, no, so we went overseas last year with my girlfriend. She she packed like a, a country road duffel and just <laughs> overloaded it and it slowed Not us down the work. entire trip and it, and it ended up almost ruining we almost broke up like seven <laughs> times which was like at one kilometre an hour in the straight. Oh, it'll do it that's not sustainable we can't be using a bag like that I get so annoyed when people are travelling with me and they have the wheelie bag and I've got the backpack I'm like come on let's just go can't have time to with this stupid cobblestone wheels I'm not there for it we've got a lot of people messaging in about the Japan Airlines uh, scheme. Someone says, what about underwear? No, it does not include underwear. Someone says, great idea. I'd give it a go for sure. I know someone who buys stuff uh, when she gets to Europe and leaves it all behind. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. And someone else says, genius. Nothing worse than unpacking at the end of the trip and having to do the washing. That's true. It's going to save on that. I might end up with some cooler clothes and I can be a new me while on holidays. Great thoughts coming through on the text line. But hey, that's all we've got time for. Thanks a lot to our amazing shake-up crew. First author, Marley Silver from the When We Grow Up podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck for everything that's to come. We'll be staying tuned for all of the big announcements that are coming from Marley and from the Kick It Forward podcast. Josh Garlop, thank you. No, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Huge big thanks again to our shake-up crew. We had Marley Silver and Josh Garlop. That is all we've got time for on the shake-up and for Hack this week. I'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. See ya. Hack on Triple Jack. Dee Salmon here, sliding into your podcast feed to let you know that the Hookup Podcast has all the sex and relationship content you need. Honestly, you need us in your life. Join us each week as we talk all things love and f***ing like this. Foreplay is also there so that you have great sex. Like, I don't know about anyone who's given themselves an orgasm in two minutes. Like, it's fine. It's the fast food of orgasms. That's the Hookup. If you like hack, you'll love us. Get us wherever you get your pods.